Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I see people on the street walking outside with a mask on like you moron. Glad to hear that from Bill Maher on his show on Friday. He called people wearing masks outside effing morons. So maybe that's him being one of the, 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 the god figures of liberalism. Maybe people on the left who are much more likely to be continuing to wear masks than wanting you to will hear that and change their mind. Yeah, you'd hope at least a few of them would. But I don't know. I find the whole thing just dismaying. The number of people who are utterly out of touch with the... I almost said the latest. Wearing a mask outside has been deemed unnecessary for many, many moons. People are totally out of touch with any of the information about the most important story on Earth since World War II. Mm-hmm. Sure seems to be. Wow. Um, did Joe Biden commit a major faux pas? He wore sunglasses with the Queen yesterday. I don't know if you saw the pictures. He had his aviator shades on, meeting with the Queen. You're not supposed to wear sunglasses. He did. Oh, no. Now, oh, no. Of course, if Trump had done that, it would have been a, you know, stop the press's story about what a belligerent American he is. Uh, Queen Elizabeth. Well, what's she going to do? Revoke our independence or something? Start blockading the port of Charleston again? Stop it. Queen Elizabeth II has met, not the first, uh, she was in Shakespeare's day. Queen Elizabeth II has met with 15 U.S. presidents, which is really quite astounding. That's uh, mind-boggling. It really is. Well, she's danged old. That um, would explain it. That does explain it. Uh, read this in the Washington Post yesterday. You see the G7's going on right now? The group of seven, Biden, Biden meeting with the seven biggest economies in the world that aren't named China. They actually added together, they represent 40% of the world's economy, which gives you some leverage if you could all get together on that. Washington Post had this article, Why Ukraine Will Hang on Every Word in the Biden-Putin Summit. Joe Biden is meeting with Vladimir Putin, the uh, leader of Russia, on Wednesday behind closed doors. Then Biden will come out and answer questions. He's not going to do a joint press conference like you often do, and I don't think he should. I think that was a good move. Um, but, oh, no, uh, Putin, Putin is one of the best spinners in the world. He will come out and he will say damn well what he wants to say and intentionally put you in an impossible position. Yeah, I don't blame Biden at all. So the president of Ukraine is Zelensky. Maybe you remember Trump was on the phone with him and it became an impeachment thing. Anyway, President Zelensky is really going to be tuning in because Putin took part of Ukraine a couple years back when Biden was the vice president. And the United States and the rest of the world didn't do anything about it. We just let one nation take a big chunk of another nation. And the world just said, man, what are you going to do? During the summit, Ukraine is looking for signs that it has Washington's full backing. President Zelensky has lobbied for Biden to meet with him before the summit with Putin, telling Axios that he was ready to meet Biden at any moment and any spot on the planet. But Zelensky didn't get his meeting. He and Biden did speak on the telephone, though, and the Ukrainian leader was invited to make his first visit to the White House, which he's excited about, um, later this year. Biden, Biden got him a ticket on one of those tours. According to the National Security Advisor, right? <laughs> yeah, Zelensky is going to show up. I am here for meeting with President. Well, we got you on a different list. If you can stand there for a while, they're going to check your identity and pat you down. Can you name the National Security Advisor? I couldn't have. It's Jake Sullivan. Anyway, uh, he reported to the Washington Post that Biden did assure Zelensky on the phone call that he has nothing to fear. 
Biden told Zelensky that the United States would, quote, stand up firmly for Ukraine's sovereignty, territorial integrity, and its aspirations. Will we? Will I've we? I've never wanted more than I do now to say the word bull s. Will we? If, no. If Putin takes more of Ukraine, will we say you better give it back or we're going to make you give it back? I doubt it. You know, to put it in completely neutral terms, if Putin takes a little more of one of the areas of Ukraine that are full of Russian speakers who consider themselves Russian and think the border was artificially uh, you know, imposed during the breakup of the Soviet Union, and there's little local outcry and the rest of it, no, we're not going to go to war with Putin. Maybe announce serious sanctions and make strong, strong statements. But from Zelensky's point of view, yeah, thanks for the backing. Nice statement. Very strong. You know what Putin did? I just got this from this article. I didn't realize this. Remember when he built up all those troops along the border a couple of weeks back and the world was getting a little worried? Why have you built up? There's the biggest uh, biggest accumulation of troops since World War II or something like that. I mean, it was really quite the buildup of tanks. And they had um, they had uh, blood donor centers and all kinds of stuff. It looked like they were ready for an invasion. Yeah, that detail was chilling in particular. Yeah. So the world, including the United States, the U.N., everybody said, hey, hey, what's going on there? You know, get those troops out of there. Putin pulled back. And so the, the reporting was, okay, it's over. The crisis is over. He pulled back some of them. So he did the great big buildup, then pulled back a few to make the world feel like, okay, he's backing down. But he still now has way more troops on the border than he had before he started, which is a great, you know, um, uh, negotiating technique. I wonder if you could somehow stroke Putin's ego enough or something. You couldn't bribe him because he's the richest man on earth, according to many observers. Get him to write a book. Get him to write how how I came to dominate Russia. The by art v. of Putin. The art of the Russian deal. Right. Yeah. Or, or, or the art of war man, by I, Vlad Putin. I, if I'm Putin, I push it. I go ahead. I take another chunk. See what anybody's going to do because nobody's going to do anything. Open Windows by Vlad Putin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm not optimistic. I was listening to a lot of the rhetoric coming out of the G7, and, and Biden, to his credit, I guess, is is pushing Europe hard for cooperation in, in countering Russia, applying pressure to Putin even more in, in pressuring China and making demands of China and trying, for instance, to cut off any goods that are made with forced labor from the free market. Try to get all the Europeans, to, uh, all the G7 folks to agree we're not going to buy goods made with forced labor, you know, or slaves, whatever. And the answers from Europe were just tepid. Their rhetoric was lovely, but then it became pretty clear that uh, Germany just kind of looked down at his shoes and uh, grumbled and said, well, we sell an awful lot of cars in China, (laughs) more more BMWs and Audis and Porsches and and Mercedes than you could possibly understand. So while we agree with you in principle, blah, blah, blah. And then I had forgotten this, the land of my birth when my dad was in the service, uh, Italy, they fell for Joseph Forner. (laughs) <laughs> they fell for the Chinese belt and road thing and got China to build a bunch of stuff. And so they're now in China's debt. Italy is the boot. So, yeah, any any uh, 
agreement or any willingness to go along with some of the stronger stuff Biden was proposing and Abe Blinken, the uh, Secretary of State. It's it's merely uh, lip service. They're, they're not going to do much. Couple of those. Oh, and I'm sorry, one more thing. And Germany just uh, more or less became dependent on Russia for their natural gas and thumbed uh, Ukraine in the eye. So, no, they're not going to get all tough with Vlad Putin either. So I'm rooting for Biden to have a good day against Putin. I hope he's uh, sharp. I, you know, uh, he's had some rough moments, as we all know, during the campaign and everything like that. Not in his debates with Trump, but in some of his Democratic debates, you know, he did those long, rambling, circular, crazy stuff. I don't want that to happen with Putin. I hope Biden's having a sharp day. I hope he takes his pills or gets his shot or whatever they do. Sure. They give him a big, fat shot in the ass. And- if you got to do that, do that before he talks to Putin. But uh, Condoleezza Rice said, don't look for the reviews coming out of that meeting that day. That's not how you determine whether or not it was a good meeting. You look months down the line to see how Russia is acting. So mm-hmm. that's that's the way to figure out whether or not you know we had a good day or not. Also, there are some pretty uh, the Secretary of State Blinken was on all the shows yesterday, and he made some pretty tough statements about Russia and their hacking and uh, Ukraine and everything like that. And I don't believe he would be out there making those statements unless the intention was that Biden's going to be, you know, really get into that stuff. Yeah, I think the feeling is we're going to drag this stuff out into the light. We're not going to use uh, diplomatic channels and third parties and the rest of it. We're just going to shout it and see what happens. It's being called the most important uh, Russian leader, U.S. leader meeting since the Soviet Union, and it's got to be. How would it not be? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And the stuff with China, even more complicated and difficult, but we can talk about that more later on. Uh, Got a guy who ended up in a whale's mouth. Isn't that what happened? Jonah something or other? Well, that is what happened. No, I read about that. That's a biblical Yeah, the whale story. ate him. Guy ended up in a whale's mouth. We'll have to get to that story when we come back, because that's a good one. Plus, among the other absolutely valid criticisms of the awful, awful critical race theory is that it's it's intellectually, logically incoherent. We'll have Exhibit A coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Everything went black, and all I could feel was just muscle and skin all around me. Did I just get bit by a shark, or no, it's not a shark. I'm in a whale's mouth. And then all of a sudden, I saw light, white water everywhere, and all of a sudden, I was thrown from his mouth he was shaking his head trying to eject me out of his mouth there's a diver that ended up actually inside a whale who is trying to swallow him actually inside for he thinks 30 to 40 seconds Yikes. And, and he thought to himself he said there's no way i'm getting out of here i'm done i'm dead all i could think of was my boys they're 12 and 15 oh man for some reason the whale decided not to eat him and then kind of like threw him back up or spit him <laughs> out more or less i think the reason was whales whales don't eat people <laughs> He got a mouthful of dude and was like, what the hell is this? Well, well you'd taste his rubber, right? Because he was in his diving outfit and had his yeah. tank on and everything like that. Yeah. He said yeah. It was, I, he was trying to swallow me. I was completely inside. It was completely black. Wow. 56-year-old well, guy. Well, and your mind would be whirling at a million miles per hour. What the hell is going on here? Like he said, am I in a shark? It's a, wait a minute. He was afraid it was a great white. He didn't, he didn't feel any teeth. 
Yeah, there are lots of great whites where he is, as I understand it. Holy crap. Yeah, that's a rough day. Broke his legs. Oh, really? Oof, yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Or at least one of them, yeah. Yeah, whales have powerful jaws. Powerful. Oh, that suck. You know, it's not powerful as the reasoning behind critical race theory. There's it almost is... no chance I'm going to be eaten by a whale on land, though. So I can avoid that problem. True that. True yeah. that. Relax. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. it's not like it's going to happen to me. Normally, I'd say don't let down your guard. Go ahead, let it down. <laughs> a whale is not going to swallow me today, almost certainly. It's extremely unlikely. I'm going to read you the best comment I've heard about this, and then we will play the tape in question, and then I will read that comment again. John McWhorter, thinker, writer, linguist at Columbia, among other things, writer. Uh, did I say writer twice? That's why I'm not a writer. I'm repetitive. Anyway, <laughs> oh, he said of the clip you're about to hear, in which academic discipline is this circular, naive, deer-caught-in-the-headlights response to a basic and urgent question considered insightful or excellent? A national culture of exempting this, which sadly is typical of him, from judgment, is unintentionally racist itself, pointing out that the critical race theory thing is utterly incoherent, and pretending that it isn't is racist in that it's treating black folks like they're children or something and shouldn't be held to the same standards as others. And John McWhorter is a black man, you should probably know. Here is one of the ideological godfathers of the modern critical race theory movement, Ibram X. Kendi, at a, a forum. You talked about the importance of defining racism, but I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I didn't, I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there, is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. <laughs> sure. A, a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. And anti-racism is a pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. Yeah, the nice uh, compliant white fellow tried to say equality. Luckily, he was uh, overshadowed by the, the herd of other people. But um, equity, not equality. Uh, wow. So racism is racist policies that equal racist, racist outcomes because of racial, racist policy, racist. That, 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 as uh, John McWhorter said, in which academic discipline is this circular, naive, deer caught in the headlights response to a basic and urgent question considered in, insightful or excellent? It's just, it's, it's claptrap. It's mumbo jumbo. Mm. And and it should be controversial, and it should be an argument we're having, because it is all over our schools that are trying to indoctrinate your kids into just abhorrent philosophies of looking at race. But as we've predicted, Jack, as we've, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now, any real, productive, interesting, heartfelt, smart conversation about the struggles of black America, Hispanic America, race in America, whatever, they're all being pushed to the sidelines as people are shouting at each other over this garbage. 
which is really pretty unfortunate no matter who you are. Certainly the hot thing. Yeah, it's just, it's awful. And you dumb, dumb white people who are falling for this this mumbo-jumbo. When Some of the smartest people among us have great, coherent, data-driven you know, thoughts on race and, and lifting up black America and the rest of it. But no, now we're following these Pied Pipers down the path. It's just, it's a mistake. And and it is not an accident that one of their beliefs is, well, logic and data, that's the white people's way. Well, okay, so you're telling me I can't challenge your uh, formula for uh, society or your indoctrination of little kids in schools based on data and 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 logic and and critical thinking then uh, yeah it's not a coincidence that they argue that because if you do they lose god what was i was listening to a podcast the other day about a completely different topic had nothing to do with race or anything like that but the woman said at one point you know people accuse me of being a perfectionist which i hate because obviously we all know perfectionism is a is a sign of white supremacy and i thought we do obviously all believe Perfectionism is a sign of white supremacy. That is leaked into so many people's brains that they just take right. it as fact. What a Punctuality, joke. perfectionism, all that sort of stuff is white supremacy. Wild. Hey, the uh, the story of COVID, like the disease part, I think has kind of been written. We're in the tail end. It's over, more or less, certainly in the United States. Uh, the fallout from all the policies and everything, we're still writing that story. New poll on how many people want to go back to their workplace. I feel like the sentiment on this is shifting and rapidly. Stay tuned for that and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. While Vice President Harris is in the South going around giving speeches trying to get more people to get the vaccine, and by more people, they don't want to say it out loud. They mean more black people, I think, because specifically 25% of black men have gotten the vaccine. Very low percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she's going around giving speeches saying, let me say it again, the vaccines are safe. The vaccines are safe. So she's trying to have some credibility with the black audience. Has anybody polled black America how they feel about her? Uh, they kind of did during the Democratic primary. Um, yeah, I suppose they did, didn't they? Good answer. Um, and I'm sure she's. I'm sure there's plenty of white people in the Deep South that aren't getting the vaccine either. But I think she's. You know. Anyway, so there's that story. Uh, Post Malone has diamond fangs now. We'll have full team coverage of that mm. uh, at some point. Um, diamond fangs. Mm. Did not see that coming. No. Uh, interesting story, trying to figure out what it is out of China. Seen a couple of different versions of it today. Some problems at a nuclear plant there. Uh, the NBC reporting they have excess gases in their plant, uh, China is reporting. It was first brought to the world's attention by a French company that's involved in that particular nuclear plant in China. And there's some belief that, hey, the fact that the French came forward with this info and not the Chinese means China is doing what communist countries do and keeping this quiet. This might be nothing, or they could have a full-on Chernobyl going on there, and we know how, well, another communist country handled Chernobyl. So uh, this story's worth keeping an eye on, no doubt. 
Boy, hope the wind isn't blowing in the right direction to have that just waft over L.A., San Francisco, whatever. Well, we watched what happened with COVID. How do you think China would ha- handle a major nuclear power plant meltdown? Of course, Chernobyl style. Of course, of course, of course they would. They'd keep it secret. Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't matter uh, who it hurt locally or worldwide. So uh, I mentioned earlier, I feel like the disease itself, that story is more or less written in the United States. People are still dying. But it's about a hundred a day, and uh, and dwindling, and it, we're more or less out of it. What goes back to normal, and what the new normal is going to look like? Still an open story. We don't know, and it's uh, the numbers have changed over recent months. So right after the pandemic, everybody went home. Then there were reports of hey, people are even more productive at home, and people seem to like being at home. Will people ever go back to the workplace? And then at some point, that is reversed. And the numbers are starting to go the other direction, including the latest poll showing that 43% of American workers would prefer to return to their workplace. I feel like people have been home long enough now. Or, you know, the novelty, I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going back that direction. And if it continues on the path it's on, we're going to be over 50% of people saying, yeah, I'd rather go back. And, oh, yeah. Uh, all this talk about I can work from home and that, blah, 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 free time. Woo. More productive. Ooh, I want to go back. I, I can practically guarantee it. I realize the uh, the media of the world they need to get clicks. They need to you know sell ads. The rest of it. So they they come up with big, exciting sounding stories. But the the whole making pronouncements in the middle of something or at the beginning of something about the way things are going to be going forward is so silly. I mean, it's like two days into your vacation in Tahiti. Would you like to stay here for the rest of your life? Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, by by the end of the week, uh, maybe maybe not so much. If if like uh, all the flights get canceled, and you're there for six weeks. Poll people then. No, get me off this godforsaken third world hellhole. I've never been to Tahiti. Full disclosure. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm sure it's very wonderful. But uh, yeah, the whole making broad pronouncements when we're right in the middle of the craziest thing that's ever happened. Come on. Little restraint. We gotta wait and see is the answer. Right. Although if half of Americans decided they'd rather not return to the workplace, that'd be a pretty major change in uh, the way we structure society. Yeah, true, true. Although for many, many months we've been pointing out it's okay if you have a team. If you're you're settled, you're established, you know each other. Uh, you can still get together and chill out now and again or go out as soon as COVID uh, abates where you are. Uh, but if you're the newbie and you don't know anybody, you don't have the inside jokes, you didn't work with these people for a long time, that's hard. Mm. We'll see. We don't know, is my point. We don't know what's going to last and what's not. You know, who knows? Attending movies might go right back to where it was pre-pandemic. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I have a feeling it'll change a little bit just because I, I know a lot of people invested in bigger screen TVs, surround sound, that sort of thing. You could hardly get people to show up to your house if you needed that sort of help. All those people that bought home gyms and home workout gear we were talking about last week, I wouldn't think you'd want to go back and join a gym if you spent all that money on a home home stuff. I don't know. I have no idea. Even if it doesn't affect the numbers a lot, it'll affect them a little, I would think. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll all circle back in a year and figure out uh, what we think. Oh, speaking of China, we keep coming back to China, and it's not an accident, and I don't think it will end. So many stories are now revolving around the communist Chinese. We were asking you for examples of uh, supply shortages, uh, 
uh, costs rising in your industry, inflation, if you will. I found this one really interesting from uh, Al Anonymous. He didn't ask for anonymity, but what the heck. Um, Al from used to be from Sacramento, now lives in Frisco, Texas. He guys uh, says, uh, I'm in the packaging business. Nutshell, we used to manufacture bottles, jars, closures, etc. from mainly China from decades. Uh, Trump's tariffs sent us to diversify, not to America, but just to other countries. But because the U.S. cannot supply enough packaging to my clients, long story short, the lack of supply sent us abroad. There's no manufacturing in the country, blah, blah, blah. He says, I've never seen this in my 15 years in the business, and no one in my industry has. A 40-foot big old container. Can you picture those on the container ships? Used to be about $3,000 pre-pandemic. I just received in 15 containers of glass last week, and each container cost us 13 to 15K. Not three, 13 to 15. There was even one that was 20,000 bucks with no explanation. And this isn't going away anytime soon. Force majeure, act of God, puts us in an uncomfortable position of passing all those costs to our customers, who are in turn passing that to all of you. Anything you buy in the grocery store, that glass bottle or jar, plastic bottle or jar, closures, all going up just from the cost of packaging that manufacturers cannot afford to absorb. Not to mention if that food consumer has to import raw ingredients, those are through the roof, too. Throw in increased cost of labor, increased cost of over-the-road transportation to send finished goods to distributors. This S got mad real, real quick. Not to mention the incredible delays. China was short 500,000 containers to load product last month. And that means long delays at origin. Finished product is piling up at the ports, at surrounding warehouses, an absolute cluster. Why are food prices also soaring? This gives you an idea. Boy, that's really interesting. Global logistics. I'd love to understand more of that. It's an amazing system. I mean, it's like impossibly great when it works. But when it doesn't, like now, yikes. What was that French phrase? Force majeure. I don't know that. I think it means essentially an act of God. Okay. Something you could, it's like if a hurricane hits, you can't sue me for failing to deliver whatever I'm supposed to deliver. My business got knocked down. That's crazy. 500,000 container shortfall in China right now to get stuff to markets. Crazy. BBC journalists walk out of press conference in Belarus after detained blogger brought out. Uh, just moments ago. So uh, the dictator there was doing a press conference, apparently, and brought out the uh, journalist that he kidnapped, more or less. Wow. What, to show him what could happen to them? He's still looking a little rough. I don't know, I guess, but the BB journalists got up and walked out of the press conference. We're not putting up with this show. Huh. I have to read more on that. Wow. And he's a Putin guy. Um, I don't know if that will come up between Biden and Putin on Wednesday or not. Um, a Pekingese won the Westminster dog show. The dog show's dead to me now. Pekingese is not. I, how do you even know that's a dog? You can't even tell. I don't think there's a dog in there. Put that thing at the end of a mop handle. Get the floors clean. Huh? I mean, how do you know that dog looks the best? You can't see any of its parts. Yeah, I know. That's what. And this, if you haven't seen a picture of the thing, it I mean, it's a, like they haven't shaved it in a year and a half. Now all you see is hair. It could be a three-legged, one-eyed dog with snaggle teeth. <laughs> 
You don't know. It's glorious hair, though. Drop the care routine, Wasabi. Let me know how you get those locks flowing. That's beautiful. Please, what do you use for conditioner? And how much work would it be to have a dog like that? How, how, how can the dog, you can't even see the damn dog. You how can that be the best dog? Hair. You gotta shave it down. Now let me see it. Huh? It ain't so pretty now, is it? Let's count the legs. One, two, three. I don't see any more. Apparently it's three. You know, putting aside your suspicions, you can't even see the dog. No. How do you know it's the, a, a dog at all, much less the best dog in the world? The, they, they announced the winner, and then the guy who runs around with it in his sensible shoes picked it up and put it on its arm. It just looked like he's carrying a big ball of hair. <laughs> You couldn't right. see the dog at all. Boo! Could be the ugliest Boo. dog you've ever seen. It's a cat in a dog suit. It could be anything. Could be a dwarf. You don't know. Could be a baked potato with a wig <laughs> taped to it. Nobody knows. Exactly. How's that the best dog? That's no dog. I'm against it. Boy, Boy here's a story from the world of sports. One of the Tigers players, Detroit Tigers, vomited all over the mound the other day and was sent down to the minors. I guess you're not allowed to puke. You're- you want to hear it? Oh, Lord. There's Do we have it? Well, Burroughs looks like he's sick. In fact, I'm pretty wow. sure he is. First time in the major leagues this year, and the emotions of the moment got the better of it. I'm going to check on Burroughs. We mentioned it's a hot day. Yeah, so Andy Fletcher wants to go out, and A.J. Hinch probably saying, you know what? Go in, take care of yourself, and we'll bring in somebody else. Hey, yeah. if I ever vomit, don't assume it's my nerves that have gotten to me. I could be sick, you realize. Well, it's a hot day. Nerves. They could be sick. The emotions God, of the moment. You just immediately <laughs> jump to the, he's too big of a pansy to play in the big leagues. Get him out of here. Yeah, send him down to the minors, triple it, double, single it. He doesn't have the eggs for this league. I think he was sent back down to the minors after yeah, he was. he doesn't yeah. have the guts. Can't doesn't handle have, it. Doesn't have the huevos. Can't handle the uh, pressure. B- by the way, TNZ, thanks for the photo uh, accompanying that story. <laughs> I can picture a man vomiting on my own. Well, how did did he do it? Standing with hands on knees, or did he get on his hands and knees? Or no, how he just kind of he's just kind of leaned over oh, on the wow. mound. Yeah, there you go. Wow. That, oh. that ain't pretty. <laughs> wow, just kind of just kind of exactly. Really sick to my stomach, and actually, I threw up yesterday. <clears throat> Man, you're nervous if you're throwing up like that. Ooh, yeah, why do I keep looking at it? Hey, is your, your husband pitch? That's what I'd have yelled at him. Because women vomit a lot? What? Some That's a bad of, heckle. Some sort of misogyny. <laughs> you suck. Boo! <laughs> Joe and I were one section over. We're heckling the bad heckler. <laughs> your heckles suck! <laughs> Get a heckle! Heckler! Yeah, that wasn't you a good heckle. No. Get a writer's room next time. <laughs> yeah. You make me want to puke. <laughs> How about that one? Huh? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Benjamin Netanyahu, Netanyahu voted out as Israeli Prime Minister. Uh, final speech today on his way out the door. Took some pretty big shots at Joe Biden in particular. Wow. And uh, the United States not uh, uh, standing strong enough against Iran. Wow. Maybe we'll get to that tomorrow. Huh. Wow. On the way out the door, decides to burn a couple of bridges. Even brought up how FDR had the opportunity to bomb the rail lines uh, at the extermination camps. 
and didn't, and caused and millions died because of that. I mean, that's oof, dude. wow. He's got a list of grievances. Yeah. Yikes. We hoped for others to save us, and they didn't come. In the face of the threat of extermination, we're helpless. We don't have to be helpless now. And uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, wow. Transition music, please, Michael. <laughs> Where do you go from not uh, bombing the rail lines to the to uh, Auschwitz? We got a good one here. This will this will clear your mind. Huh? Do we? I don't know. I don't know. We are stuck. We can't is transition. He, is know. he giving the frantic... Uh, oh, there it is. That's about my co-favorite with that other crazy one that we've been one. playing lately, yeah. I like the anyway. way I like the way he goes, hey! and then kind of trails off like he's, there you go. Yeah, so I mentioned this at the very, very beginning of the show, and I guess at the very, very end, uh, wishing my sweet wife, Judy, a happy 35th wedding anniversary, if you wow. can believe that. We were both 10 years old when we got married. <laughs> we had to get special permission from our fourth grade teacher. Um, <laughs> it was a beautiful ceremony. But the teachers gave it because it Juice was a different time. for all. Toast. Uh, yeah, and it was funny. I'm, I'm thinking back to the, the, the first day she saw me. She was in the cast of a musical. I was in the, the band. Uh, it was a rock thing, um, and I had to go pick up the uh, the sheet music from a rehearsal, and I knew it was a rehearsal, and so I decided to put on some nice clothes because I didn't know who I was going to see or whatever, and I still remember to this day what I was wearing that day. You you put a, you, thank you, Gladys. Good time for the harp, like two minutes ago. Um, yeah, Gladys, pay attention. Wow, she's deaf in one ear and not so good in the other. Um, you put on some nice clothes because you thought there might be girls there, hot girls there? Uh, yeah, it must have been. I knew okay. I would be walking into a rehearsal, saying hello to Dave, the director, getting my sheet music book, and then walking out again. So I decided I would look nice. And Judy says that th- that day I walked in, and she thought, oh, who is that? Mm. And it's funny because that we didn't really meet until a couple weeks later. I would peek around the scenery as we were playing. The- That's when you learned that she was a shark, you were a jet. And there was just nothing but conflict on the horizon. Oh, it was so terrible. My uncle stabbed her uncle. It was awful. Your Puerto Rican upbringing. Oh, yeah. It got in the way. No, but I would peek around the scenery, and I thought, man, it's a cute girl. And uh, sure enough, we met. She had a boyfriend at the time. But uh, whether you're Otis Redding or the Black Crows, I know you got another man, but I can love you better than him. And I wooed her away with my expert wooing. And uh, three years later, we got married. That was 35 years ago today. Boy, picking around the scenery, looking at her, sounds like a U2, uh, me, uh, me, a hashtag Me Too <laughs> violation to me. Eh, she was young. I was young. Eh, worked out. Semi-stalking-ish a little there, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Final thoughts with Angie. Yeah! Let's get your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Yes, everybody should offer a final thought to round out the program. And there he is, pressing the buttons in the control room. Michelangelo. Michael, final thought. You know, the story that got me today was about Apple and China and how Apple may not have a plan B. Right. I, I just think that's amazing to me. Oh, it could turn that company upside down. They are practically being held hostage by the Chinese. Yep. Uh, positive Sean, our producer. Final thoughts, Sean? Yeah, I had a bit of an adventurous weekend. I ended up staying in one of those uh, those hotels that's also like a boat, like your old kind of river boat gambling sort of hmm. 
floating hotel thing. A very nice, good time, but it's hilarious how small the doors are on those things. And it felt like Hagrid, a giant, trying to walk through. Oh, excuse me, got to duck down and get in there. Well, we were a tinier people back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we were. Yep. Jack, a final thought for us? I'm going to keep my eye on this Chinese nuclear plant story. I mean, the, the reporting out of it right now is pretty sketchy. But uh, would China hide a nuclear plant meltdown of some sort? Abso-freaking-lutely they would. And so I'm going to keep my eye on this all day long. We'll have the latest tomorrow. You know, if you flip that coin on the other side and ask the question, if China had a nuclear disaster, would they come clean about it? You practically guffaw at the question. Sure. Yeah. My final thought is to have a happy, successful marriage, uh, I recommend three things. Number one, uh, decided is your highest priority. Number two, work really hard. And number three, get extremely lucky with the person you chose to marry uh, many decades ago. I can't believe he got married as 10 years old. Those were, those were weird laws we had back then. Yeah, well, I remember I was thinking, do we or don't we? I snuffed out my cigarette. I turned to my foreman. I said, I got to go. I got to I gotta go say something to a girl. He said, I understand completely, kid. You go tell her what you feel. As a 10-year-old. That's right. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So I climbed down from the girder there atop the Empire State Building where I was working at the time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. we got a lot of great clicks for you. He came up out of the mine. We'll see you <laughs> tomorrow. Snuffed out another cigarette. <laughs> Smoking down in the mine. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. As my mother would say, who died and left them, boss? Is it, it's sort of, it's kind of bogus. It's not, it's not a big deal. Screw it, I'm leaving. Go away! I'm just saying. Well, we're not packing it, we're unpacking Get it. out of here, you moron! It's a mark of a mature mind of an individual or a nation that it can distinguish between a problem and a mess. Yeah, it's just complete, utter nonsense. Can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? So goodbye. Okay. The Armstrong and Getty.